Frequencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Indeed. Debunking indeed. Um, I'm sure there was a ton of debunking when you went to Crypticon last weekend, Kim. <laughs> uh, there was something. Um, I, I, yes, I was at Crypticon this last weekend. Uh, if you are finding us because of Crypticon, welcome. We are happy welcome. to have you here. Uh, did some amazing panels, did 12 panels. Oof. Yeah, uh, a couple true crime ones, which, yeah, it, it was, uh, it's my first time doing that many. I usually do more in the, like, eight, nine range, and uh, so that, <laughs> that was a little intense. Lengthy. A little, little, little bit of running around on my part, uh, but got to see some of our, our longtime listeners, which was awesome. Um, got some very lovely gifts, uh, the, the evidence bag. Evidence. 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 Uh, which was just really, really sweet. Um, uh, saw Nadia, who is a, a longtime listener of ours, and and got to hang out with her, which I always love. Uh, we're gonna, we're actually planning a Europe trip. We're gonna get up to no good in Europe. So, <laughs> can't wait to hear about that. That should be that should be terrifying and amazing with the two of us. Uh, but no, it was it was really awesome, um, and uh, I was happy to to kind of. Get to be amongst my my horror summer camp peeps. I I had the opportunity to interview Bex Taylor Klaus, who you may know from if you're a horror fan from the Scream series, uh, from the movie Hellfest, which is really awesome, and and had a fantastic conversation with them. Uh, we talked a lot about the the writer strike. Uh, the possibility of, of SAG going on strike since there is a, a vote to authorize a strike that's currently going on. By the time this episode airs, we will have it will have been decided. But uh, no, it was a really fantastic weekend. It always is. I was bummed. You know, I had so many people asking where you were. Really? And we're yeah, like was, I like longtime people who have been coming to Crypticon, listeners of ours, who were genuinely bummed that you weren't there. So I hope you're able to come next year. I'll just have to plan my road trip to Los Angeles and back in one week like an insane person for a different week next year. <laughs> um, but that's so sweet. I love being missed. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm really excited for today because, um, you know, while Kim has Crypticon, mm-hmm. I brought us a guest for our episode for today. <laughs> And uh, this guest uh, is, I'm going to give a little bit of an intro, but I kind of want her to do a bit of an intro for herself as well. But um, her name is Amanda Paulson, and you might know her on Instagram as Pretty Effin' Spooky. Um, She is a paranormal investigator, uh, I would say social media extraordinaire uh, of all the spooky things. And that's how we got connected a long time ago at some point. Um, But also local to Washington from Spokane. And she recently was featured in a documentary called Death is With Me um, about Lady of the Lake, Lake Crescent, which we covered. Mm, We did cover, So we're very excited to have her with us today. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So excited um, to kind of pick your brain because one of my favorite things is talking to a paranormal investigator, ghost hunter, ghost, ghost huntress. I don't know if that's like a formal term of like a female ghost hunter, but I feel like it's kind of doesn't come our way that often. Like Kim and I were like, hey, we're both in a ghost hunting group. We should be 
friends. Cool. That's how we got connected. But like, it's not often you find people around age group range that is ours that also, you know, is into the same kind of stuff, but actually actively investigates places. So mm-hmm. really excited to kind of pick your brain because you've also been to some really like insane locations. Like I know there's um you went to the St. Ignatius Hospital, you did the Davenport Hotel, the Lizzie Borden House, um, Waverly Hills, and the Conjuring House, I know was a more recent one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm super excited to just kind of like understand. A little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, when did you know you were into the paranormal? Like, when did this all start? Absolutely. So I started my paranormal ghost hunting career in 2008. Um, I'll, I'll use career loosely. It's not really my career, but I started actually actively hunting ghosts in 2008. But my first paranormal experience happened when I was seven years old. So I was just a kid. Uh, in Montana, where I grew up, and I would experience, I called it the haunted duplex. I lived in this ugly blue duplex with my mom and my grandma, and it was haunted. Things would move at night. My dolls would move. I'd have nightmares. I just was exposed to hauntings at a very early age, and then I suppressed it. I said, you know what? This is terrifying, and I hate it, Um, and I don't understand it until I was about 18 years old in 2008. Yes, I just aged myself, but um, in 2008, I started a ghost hunting group, I, uh, we started ghost hunting like residential cases and, um, all sorts of locations. I learned everything from this ghost hunting group that I know today. And then I started pretty up and spooky, my blog, um, about all things pretty up and spooky in 2019. And now I am a solo female investigator based out of Eastern Washington. Like you said, I'm in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. And you do tours in Spokane as well, right? Kind of. Yeah. So I have created um, the first dark history tour series at our local museum called the Campbell House, which is a um, house museum owned by the Museum of Arts and Culture um, here in Spokane. And uh, I created this whole dark history tour series about spiritualism that um, came out last year. We started creating it in uh, 2020, actually. So it took quite a long time, but we came out with it last year. It was a huge hit. We're in our second year now talking about secret societies there. And I've been a docent at that house uh, for, I think, a decade now. So, yeah, I have a long history of uh, docent work. And uh, I'm also a historic preservationist. I'm a a landmark preservationist on the city commission here in Spokane as well. That's so cool. I love all that. That's fantastic. Kim does tours, too. I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kim does more ghost tours in the Pioneer Square area of Seattle Mm -hmm. with Spooked in Seattle. So there's a little plot for Spooked. (laughs) I did not Uh, realize the connection to Spooked in Seattle. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I haven't taken one. I need to. I never give myself enough time in Seattle. Like whenever I'm in Seattle, it's just for a certain reason. Uh, But I need to go just to do something spooky. I haven't done enough Um, spooky stuff there. Hey, what's up? You know who to call. Uh, We are both in Seattle and we would be stoked to do spooky stuff together. So definitely down to do a ghost tour with Kim. That'd be very fun. You've Um, done many ghost tours with Kim already. But it's always fun to bring people along and be like, hey, look at my friend do a tour. Um, Because it's it's more fun that way. Um, And then you never know if you're going to get touched by a ghost of a little girl going down the stairs in a certain Mm. 
bar. That's true. Uh, but anywho, um, so fantastic. You did have experiences as a kid. You took that into a bit of a career, career loosely air quotes career, but I, th I think it's a pretty significant thing that you've accomplished. It's something to be proud of. Um, and I'm curious, what made you specifically get into the investigation side of things? Because it's okay to be like, you know, I'm not, not like it's not okay, but it's great to be like interested in paranormal things, but it's a whole other thing to take it to the level of investigating it. So what made you take that jump? Well, it's not a simple answer and it's a pretty deep one, but um, I'll give you the short of it. I uh, was raised very religious in a Baptist church in Montana. Um, as you can imagine, they were like, we don't like ghosts here. We don't want to talk about that. And it's demons, naturally. <laughs> um, so pretty early on as a kid, I was very confused about the paranormal experiences that I was having. I didn't mm -hmm. understand why they would happen to me if I was active in the church and it, it wasn't supposed to be. I didn't really understand why I was having these experiences and if I was somehow called to them or, you know, could all these ghosts see me? I didn't get any of it at all. And so when I was finally an adult, 18, I decided to join this ghost hunting group and, and wanted to kind of investigate not only paranormal claims, because of course I was doing ghost hunts for other people. And the purpose was to kind of give them peace or whatever purpose we had in 2008. Um, but also to kind of investigate myself in a way and the I guess the role that I had to play in the paranormal activity that I was experiencing and why I was experiencing it and starting to ghost hunt kind of gave me an avenue to start exploring those elements of myself and understanding myself on a deeper level. And then that only grew and continued as I got older. I kind of gave up ghost hunting for a time in my mid twenties. Um, I partied hard. I was super fun, but I was not ghost hunting. None of my friends at the time really cared at all about that. Um, and also I, I was still very scared of it. Truthfully. Um, I, I didn't really, I wouldn't even say to this day, I've conquered my fear of the paranormal. I think a lot of people in this field like to pretend like they are in it because they don't fear it because they understand it or they're comfortable around it. But that was never the case for me. It was happening to me, regardless of my fear of it. And I needed to kind of face that. Um, but I, I was still always very scared of it. And all through my twenties, I was very scared. I experienced sleep paralysis a lot, just a lot of really spooky things. So when I started my blog, pretty F and spooky in 2019, for a couple different reasons, I also just wanted to, again, explore that part of myself and kind of dig back into myself and why this is a part of my life and where, where could it take me? What is it here? What purpose does it serve? So paranormal investigating or ghost hunting has always played a deeper, deeper role in my life than just investigating or finding proof of the paranormal, but also has been a way for me to understand myself and then to understand other living people better as well. So I just think it's a, it's a good way for me to kind of live life the way I think it's the, the right way. I think I should be living it. I love that answer. That's like the deepest answer to why do you investigate ghosts? Everyone else is like, because I watch ghost adventures and it's fun. Like, <laughs> So thank you for having like a legitimate <laughs> response to that. Um, but that's awesome, but also like a little bit like heartachy. Like I feel bad that it's it's something that like has affected you so negatively in, in life. And but it is a good way to address it and be able to 
actively do something to help yourself. I, I love that. It's like a little bit of a ghosty self-care, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice. Okay. So I know that there's also a difference between investigating and then creating almost like a paranormal following of like blog, social media, like all of that. P.S. Like respect for the amount of time and effort you put into that. I don't know how you do it. Like truly, it's awesome. If you guys haven't checked her out on Instagram, pretty effing spooky. Like these videos are great. Awesome content. Um, How did you were you able to transition doing investigations for yourself to like creating more of a space for it in social media? And like what kind of pushback have you received, if at all, from, I don't know, other people within the community? That's a big question. Um, well, as I said, I started Pretty Up and Spooky in 2019. It was March of 2019. And I had the benefit of then rolling right into 2020, uh, where I had a lot more time to fully delve into my creative side and like give all that I had to give um, to social media, which I had just been a part of for a year at the time that, you know, we all went on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely played a role. And I won't pretend that it didn't. Um, However, then, you know, after that, when the time, like my alone time and my time to be creative kind of started shortening as I had to go back to work more and like kind of went back to normal. Um, I guess like the, my main motivator in creating social media content was connection with other people. And I'm I'm sure that's almost kind of obvious. Like you want to feel, um, part of a community, you want to feel validated and in weird things that are happening to you, you know, and you get in your own head too much about this stuff. And you start to think, you know, am I crazy? What am I really experiencing all this stuff? And so meeting people in the community was really empowering to me to realize that, like, I have similar experiences to other people. And the only way for that to be possible is for those experiences to be real in some way. Um, And so that has driven my content creation a lot um and probably is the main motivator to this day is connection with other people um i'm also an an artist and i was an artist before my social media stuff i actually used to i hope uh can i i hope i can talk about something that's like not totally pg or spooky yes no we (laughs) always uh, (laughs) we always do like explicit on every single episode that we have so go wild you can cuss we don't care we're very flexible here well i don't normally talk about this but i feel like it's relevant to the fact that i kind of rolled into social media and video creation and, and creating you know art through social media but i was an artist before and i did but i did this series of art uh called butt stuff of the pnw and it was all drawings of butt plugs and stuff like that <laughs> and um, that was like that was like a huge part of my life for a while and I, I was you know I did well in the art scene here for that but I came from this artist background and wanted also an outlet and um and so then I just kind of mixed the paranormal with my creative side and social media uh, social media presence was bred out of it and now of course like it, it does take a lot of effort and the community is not always um the exactly how I would hope that it would be. It's a very difficult community to navigate because these topics are so close to people's hearts. They, I mean, they're essentially, it's believing in the paranormal is essentially its own religion at this point. Like you, you just, people have very strong beliefs and, um, and get very passionate about that. And unfortunately then sometimes that creates rifts in, um, this, this community or whatever. Um, 
mostly people have been generally very kind to me. Um, though I think it's probably because I exist sort of in the middle of all of it. Like I, especially when it comes to like ghosts and aliens and cryptids and all of those things, I'm very much like it can't, one can't exist with the other. It all exists. It all kind of, uh, interacts with each other and, um, and I respect other people's beliefs. So I, I'm, I, the community has been kind to me for the most part, but I understand its difficulties. Um, however, that's the whole reason why I'm here today is other people. Yeah, that's how we got connected. So like, it's all for the I think it's great, first of all. So like, keep doing what you're doing. Secondly, I have questions about investigations specifically. And this comes from people, Kim and I have both investigated. Kim's done more than I have. So I'm, I was newer to the actual investigation world and then the pandemic hit. And so I was like, cool, not doing that for a while now. Um, but um, I'm curious, what are your preferred methods of paranormal research? What are my preferred methods of paranormal research? Do you mean like being more technology heavy, like equipment or like? digging into books like stuff like that any all of the above like what do you utilize like what do you find is the most helpful what do you gravitate to more i mean i know it's a very big question but we can we can make it a little bit more pointed if you want do you want to talk about maybe like uh favorite investigative gadgets or equipment that you use in investigations or we could start there i can totally riff on it i i you'll learn about me very quickly that you Ask me one question and I'll like open it up until we <laughs> be like, I can't just answer this one way. I'm very annoying. Um, but, no, no, it's wonderful. We love it. <laughs> but I will say I did start very equipment heavy. I, again, I started ghost hunting in 2008, which was peak ghost hunters time. I mean, like it, Ghost Adventures was out at the time, but we were very inspired by ghost hunters, the original ghost hunters and how much they wanted to find like scientific air quotes, scientific proof of the paranormal so i got very into the equipment side of paranormal investigating and i still very much am i'm staring at a pile of investigative equipment in my office right now um that's like way too high uh, way too much stuff but um and i love it i mean it does provide a certain level of validity to experiences um and also as far as communicating that to other people believers and non-believers alike equipment really does the job it really just kind of showcases what you're feeling in the moment or what is going on. It, you know, it gives you lights and and noises and things like that. But I would say in the last couple years, um, specifically the last year, but really also since I started filming the documentary that I did, um, I have started to move away from equipment a little bit and started kind of approaching investigating with more, more intuitively and, uh, with more attention to my own emotions and, um, and feelings and, and things like that. So I've let go of the equipment a little bit and I still have a, a couple pieces of my favorite equipment that I, I always have on me. Spirit box, like I'm sure everyone is obsessed with now because the Estes method is awesome. Um, and you know, some other little gadgets that I think are fun, but I really love going on to an investigation now and allowing myself to sit quietly with myself and kind of read read the space and and sort of just experience it without anything else. So I guess in answer to your question, my favorite method of investigating is a more intuitive method, which is kind of boring though for social media, if I'm being honest. So 
I, I do it all. Um, and then of course I love the research end of it, but that's also very boring when it comes to content. So people on the outside watching my social media don't see all of that going on behind the scenes, unless I want to make like a little montage clip of me, like reading books or writing in a notebook. But, um, so yeah, I guess it's all of it, but lately it's been very much more me tapping into like my psychic abilities and my ability to read, um, the investigation location or the spirits or the people actually investigating the phenomena. Nice. And you mentioned a ghost box and Kim and I have had opinions about ghost boxes before. So I'm really curious. Can you elaborate on the Estes method that you were talking about? So just a second ago, like what made you really get into that method initially and what types of like for someone who doesn't know what that is, that's listening, what is it? How do you do it? Why is it intriguing? Yeah. So to start, the Estes method is um, is a method using the spirit box, which is basically a radio that like, um, sweeps through radio stations at an accelerated rate. Um, and you plug in noise-isolating headphones, and you put on a uh, blindfold, and you have somebody else ask you the questions that you would typically ask the spirit. So uh, it kind of removes the bias from a spirit box session uh, that would be there if you were all listening to the spirit box playing on a speaker. You're kind of listening for what you want to hear, what you expect to hear. But when you're in sensory isolation, um, and the person under is what they say, but the person, you know, in the headphones and the blindfold, if they answer the other person's question intelligently or in a way that makes sense, it makes it a very compelling piece of, of evidence. Um, and that method was created by, I'm sure you guys have talked about this on here before, but that method was created by Connor Randall and Carl Pfeiffer and Michelle Tate out of uh, the Stanley Hotel. I was like, is the Stanley, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, of course, I learned all that I know about that from various projects that they've been a part of. I want to say I first saw the Estes method from like this girl that is no longer online. Her name was Spirit Chick or something like that, but that's relevant. (laughs) I know. I I don't know where she went. I I actually was weirdly thinking about her recently. So I feel like she's going to pop back up in my life somehow. So this is like my call into the universe, but yeah, (laughs) but um, the, the Estes method has gained popularity like on a global uh, you know, global stage is just like huge and people, people love it. Cause not only is it very compelling and very interesting, and it kind of teaches you how to enter a state of trance and teaches you how to kind of conduct, you know, this experiment as the receiver, as a, as a medium, almost in a sense, uh, it also makes for very compelling videos and people love watching it online. Um, I love it. Um, I, I also love it. I have recently started experimenting with doing that, but in a like solo, just by myself, um, in a method I've been calling the L method, just for the sake of naming it something. I, I named it after 11 from Stranger Things. Um, nice. But just sitting, you know, with the headphones and the blindfold, the whole ordeal, but then using automatic drawing and writing um, and a recorder or a camera to basically just ask yourself questions and have a conversation with yourself or whatever entity is there. I don't really think it's necessary to have to have somebody else, but I've been using that method to uh, investigate my own emotions and my own myself, basically my past self, my own traumas, um, all sorts of things like that. So I've been experimenting with that method and I've really enjoyed it. Um, And I think that equipment like the spear box um, or ITC equipment is what it's called. It's just a, really fascinating and 
more compelling to me, I think, than the equipment that beeps and boops and lights up and, um, you know, is more like a monkey dancing kind of thing. I, I like the idea of really communicating more deeply with um, the other whatever is out there. That's so cool. I feel like I would never think to investigate myself. Like, that's such an interesting approach of, like, you're not just investigating, like, a spirit or entity or something around you, but you can actually go within. That's, like, mind-blowing. Like, I didn't even think that that's something that you could do. So have you had any, like, really wild, like, for lack of a better term, come-to-Jesus moments with yourself doing that? Absolutely. Since I've started doing that, um, that's kind of how I've bred a lot of the uh, the theory that I've been talking about online a lot lately, the paranormal emotive touchpoint theory. That's how I've kind of, I using these like solo investigative techniques with the spirit box has allowed me to kind of grow at a more rapid rate in my investigative and, and, um, and my investigative skills. And, uh, and it's been honestly more compelling to me than a lot of the ghost hunts that I've done. I've, I've contacted people, you know, so let me backtrack a little bit. I often have investigated myself and my own traumas and things like that. But the only way that I can back that up is with my own knowledge of myself. So those aren't really necessarily the come to Jesus moments as much as they are very insightful meditative moments, like moments in trance where I learn a lot about myself and that's really valuable. But I've also learned how to enter that state of trance through that method in order to use it for other people who are living. So I've started doing these psychic readings for other people and, and kind of experimenting with tethering myself to other people on investigations and reading the living. And sometimes the dead pop in and say hi and say what's up and, and give me some kind of information. So I always thought that I was honestly unskilled or untalented in realms of psychic abilities before, because I couldn't on cue talk to a ghost. I thought, well, if I can't just look over there and there's not a ghost and he's just not straight up talking to me, then I I have no skill. I'm like, oh no, I had to just find a different way to be able to tap into the other side, which for me was going through the living instead and not just going straight for the dead. So there has been, since I've started doing that, and especially for other people where I can get validation on what I'm, on what I'm getting. There have been a lot of those, uh, like you said, come to Jesus moments and, and it's changed who I am and how I investigate today. That's amazing. So can you elaborate? You said the paranormal emotive touch point. I know that you're saying that going through a living person to get to a non-living person, is that what that is specifically? Or can you elaborate on what the paranormal emotive touch point is? I can definitely elaborate Um, a little bit different than what I was talking about, but how um, what I was previously talking about is how I kind of came to form this theory. But so the paranormal emotive touch point theory is a theory that was kind of bred from these experiments, but also a lot different. Um, I started kind of exploring the idea of how our human emotions can tip us off to um, what I call soft spots or touch points where paranormal phenomena is easier to communicate with. And what really led me to form this paranormal emotive touch point theory is 
uh, emotions like nostalgia, deja vu, and liminality as a whole, and how strange and odd those emotions are to us. And I call I call those now odd emotions. And I started kind of theorizing and wondering, are these odd emotions, when they surface randomly, are they trying to tell us something? Are they trying to tip us off to something being near? And does it really have nothing to do with a place being traditionally haunted and more to do with, uh, again, the living's emotion itself. And so a paranormal emotive touch point is a soft spot or a touch point anywhere in the world uh, where communication with the other side is clearer or easier. Um, and it tips us off to it by giving us odd emotions like nostalgia or deja vu. So I theorize that if you were to experience a random bout of nostalgia while out somewhere, or maybe um, a good example is feeling very liminal in maybe the back rooms of like a abandoned Sears or something, and you were feeling very strange and odd, and you're like, I can't really place this feeling, uh, but it feels odd and not like not normal. If you were to sit in that moment and investigate that feeling itself, or to investigate maybe some spirit you wish to contact, you would have an easier time doing it. You would have kind of a soft spot or a clear connection to touch the other side in a way, just because you follow that, uh, that odd emotion when it was given to you. So that's the paranormal emotive touch point theory. I, um, I'm still working on it today. I have a, a long blog post about it on my blog, prettyupandspooky.com. And I also talk a lot about it, um, on Instagram and TikTok as well, but I'm very, very passionate about how, living humans emotions play into paranormal phenomena. I don't think that we should ignore it. I think that the all of the complex emotions that we feel and especially these weird ones like liminality and, and nostalgia, I think we should pay attention to them because I think maybe if we dig a little bit, we could get closer to the other side uh, than we expect. Yeah, it almost makes me think more of like poltergeists and how like you know, poltergeists are usually happening with like teenagers because of energy and emotion and like. And liminality. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause they're like teenagers are a liminal state of being They're you know, they're changing. I mean, you could argue that we're changing throughout our entire life, but teenagers, especially, and you see a lot of poltergeist activity uh, centering, like you said, teenagers. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think, I think that there's some connection there. Poltergeist or um, really poltergeist is a really good, uh, a good one to draw comparison to because it has so much to do with the living. I, I just think that there's more there than we think. Mm -hmm. And I, I just really dig the idea of like looking at these times that we feel weird. Like, why do we feel weird? What is that? Why aren't we, why aren't we looking into that more? Why aren't we playing around with that? And what would happen if we did, you know? That's so interesting. I, I feel like people just accept it for what it is. And just like, oh, well, I feel weird because I'm having a flashback to something else that happened here at one point in time in my life, but I can't place it. But whatever, it's normal. Like, you don't really get the people that yeah. question why. When, what if you were to sit with your spirit box in that moment exactly that you were feeling nostalgic and you were to ask your nostalgia itself and say, why are you presenting yourself to me right now? What purpose does this serve me? What should I learn from this memory that's resurfacing? Or is there somebody from this memory that's trying to reach out? There's lots of ways that you could kind of branch off of those feelings that you wouldn't normally think. And, and it kind of follows the same track as like a tarot reading in a way where you're being very like introspective and like asking 
questions to sort of help with the purpose of honestly helping better yourself or better the situation at hand. But, but I do also think that there's something to those, those emotive touch points that could also bring you closer to the dead. If, if that was something you wished to do and you wouldn't have to necessarily be in a haunted location. There wouldn't have to necessarily be something tragic that happened. I think that to talk to spirits or to talk to the other side, oftentimes we just have to have some kind of connection or reason to talk to them, not necessarily have to be at the location that they died or have to be holding the creepy doll that they died with or whatever, you know? I I think that there's no real rules to any of this, so why not experiment? Yeah, that's fair. I love it. I feel like, you know, what's really interesting about this is I feel like you're like a perfect combination of Mulder and Scully. And Kim and I joke that I am the Mulder and she is the Scully. And a lot of our listeners know this. And that anytime we like debunk things, we're, we call it scullying. And so um, I, I feel like there's a little bit of both within you with all of the curiosity that you have to like explore. That's like your Mulder side. But then your Scully wants to be like, but how? And why? <laughs> and let's figure it out. So I, I really appreciate just the thought process. It's really um, eye-opening, truly. Um, okay, so questions about some investigations you've done. What is the, like, wildest, most memorable investigation that you've ever done that you, like, will never, ever forget? Um, it would have to be the Lizzie Borden house, which I have talked about a lot before if, for, if somehow anyone listening to this follows me, I've talked about it a lot, but the Lizzie Borden house always comes to mind. Uh, it was um, the scariest investigation, the, the, mo- the most scared I've ever been on an investigation. And it was uh, in 2021. And I stayed the night in the house completely alone with no employees because it was uh, in between being bought um, by the new owners that are there today, um, who I've heard have changed a lot of what's going on in Lizzie Borden house. But, um, I, I happened to investigate it at, at a very lucky time, stayed there alone and had a wild night. Um, what happened? I, God, it, it, well, it started with, um, me trying to mind my own business and eat some food and go to the bathroom and like do normal human things. Um, and immediately off the bat, I started hearing somebody walking around, um, upstairs where the maid's room is, I guess. And, um, I was staying in the room where the mother was found face down next to the bed. And I started hearing somebody walking around and I had been given a tour by the guy who let me into the house earlier in the night. He gave me a long tour, bless his heart. It was like two hours long. And, uh, (laughs) and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to leave after this. Uh, the person in the gift store will be there at like 10 AM. That's when you got to go. But to my knowledge, there was no one else staying in the house. And I truly don't think there was, I mean, I heard no toilets flushing. I heard no, like, coughing normal human noises and also I had been shown every room but one like storage room or something so I started hearing somebody walking around um before I was even investigating and then um it was it it just would go back and forth in the maids in the maids room and then it would go down the stairs and then it would go down the hallway and then I could hear the footsteps in my room and then all of a sudden I'm hearing the footsteps next to the wooden armoire and and it's creaking like somebody stepping next to it and um in addition to you know hearing voices and I was seeing like little pricks of light which was very strange and 
I was also very psychologically, I was just not in a, in a good place. I had been to the conjuring house the night before I was extremely tired and, um, and also across the country, you know, very far away from home alone. Yeah. And, uh, all of those psychological factors I think played into my like extreme fear, which then I think also kind of exacerbated the experience. Like I think psychologically I was not doing well, but I also did definitely hear somebody walking around with me all night. And I proceeded to get so scared that I didn't investigate at all. I sat on the bed cross-legged on live for three hours until I could finally convince myself to go out of the room to the car. And then I slept in the car until like 7 a.m. But yeah, the Lizzie Borden house always sticks out to me uh, for being like a a time that was like, I was very, very scared, which doesn't happen a ton. I'm a ton anymore. I can like deal with it, especially social media helps me a lot. Like if I'm live, I will do some crazy stuff like investigating wise live because it, I, it feels like I'm with people for some reason. Um, I get that. But, but that night I was like, whether or not it was a ghost. I mean, I think it was a ghost. I I can't, I can't imagine how it was happening otherwise, but let's, what whatever it was, it, I, it was just very, very scary. <laughs> and it was like very uh, oppressive feeling. And I, I'm not like somebody who's really down with like oppressive, like demonic, like I don't really like believe in that stuff really. It just not, nothing that really concerns me, but that night just felt super not okay and it's the only time i've ever not actually stayed my whole time in an investigation so that That one takes the cake dang Mm -hmm. we covered lizzie borden um kim did a two-parter on lizzie borden uh back in the day i don't know what year which time we did it we've been Uh, doing this for a while (laughs) it was it was one of the halloween double episodes but i think it was was it pre Not this last year. I think it was the year I prior. I think it was the year prior. Yeah. Yeah. Or with, was it? Uh, yeah, it was at least one Halloween ago because I, I think Dahlia was after. But was Dahlia yeah. wasn't this most recent Halloween, was it? I don't have any memory of anything that yeah. ever happened. I was so mapping I'm... out the other day when I was trying to pick my <laughs> next topic, but I started in January. So... Yeah, we don't go too far back. We can't remember things. That's what we have, you know, the internet for to tell us <laughs> yeah. when we did things. Who are we? Where are we? What's going no on? No idea. Um, but that that's wild. Um, and I, I love that we can kind of like cross over some of the topics that we've covered in our episodes with some of the places that you've been to and that you've also covered, which is really cool, like the Conjuring House too. And specifically, I mean... Lady of the Lake. Like, we covered that episode a really long time ago. Like, I think when we first started. 2020, I believe. Yeah. yeah, 2020. uh, 2020 is when we covered it. Um, And then we did it again at Jake's party. We did live. Yeah. That was weird. One of our friends uh, (laughs) requested that we do an old topic, and Lady of the Lake was the one that was chosen. And so. Yeah, that um, was one of his favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we were very well aware of of that um, topic specifically. But I'm curious, like with your experience there, I know you did the Estos method there and had some like really interesting takeaways of like energies and not necessarily just one person. And I know that was in the documentary. I don't want to like spoil anything because this is something that a lot of people have not yet seen. I was very honored to be able to see the screening in Seattle at the Egyptian Theater, which I talked about in Creepy Critics Corner whenever that happened, like two months ago. Um but I know Kim really wants to watch it, and there's some people that do want to watch it. Do you know when it's going to be streaming by any chance? 
I don't know yet. Not yet. Um, okay. No wah, wah. I know. Sorry. Wah, wah. I, no, it's I do okay. know that they're shopping it. Um, and I think they only just started that. So cool. they took um, what feedback they received from mm -hmm. the two showings that we've had so far. I think they're rolling around a showing to have in Orange County oh, soon. Cool. And then um, all the while um, shopping it. I know that Ryan has said verbatim that it's not about money. It's about getting as many eyes on the project as possible. So I do think they're likely shooting for a streaming platform that will get the job done in that way. And that does take time for anyone listening who doesn't understand that process. It does take a lot of time. Um, but I'm really hoping, I'm just putting it out in the universe. This, I don't know if this will happen, but I'm putting it out in the universe that like by fall or winter, like when we start wanting to get really spooky and moody and it's the time for that, I'm hoping it'll be ready to be watched at home. Thingy's crossed. Um, well, I don't want to give too much away because people haven't seen it yet, um, but highly recommend seeing it whenever it is streamable. But one of the things that um, you talked about in the documentary and Kim also talked about too when we covered this was how a lot of people want to think that when they know a story about a person, they want to identify whatever paranormal activity is to that specific person. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like ask you, like, what was your experience when you were there? Was it something that you felt like was the lady of the lake the whole time? Or did you feel like there were multiple energies, entities, couldn't necessarily put your finger on it? Like, tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, well, I, I started on the project, like the very beginning when I agreed to do the project was, I think, September 2020. And then it just showed in 2023. So that's a long time. I, mm -hmm. I think we officially stopped filming beginning of 2022. So we filmed it, you know, over a year and a half time span. Um, and I've been out to the Olympic Peninsula and Lake Crescent now more times than I can count. And um, I will say that the energy that I experienced out there on like my first impression of it was very primordial, very ancient energy that I wasn't familiar with. And honestly, I felt very much like a guest of the forest and a guest of the area um and and tried to manage that like really carefully and respectfully um it it also reminded me a bit of like fairy lore or something like that Ooh. like it was the my first impression was not oh there is a like there's like a lady of the lake walking around this forest like my first impression was like whoa there's an energy here way bigger than i understand hmm. and that is what is most prevalent there and i also had some sasquatch experiences i mean it, it's wild out no but you guys know the, the olympic peninsula is wild um but lake crescent i will say definitely provided in the way of paranormal phenomena and uh and and definitely some very interesting and compelling evidence as far as paranormal investigating goes while uh trying to reach the lady of the lake but um, I won't say for sure that it was her or was not her. That's You'll have to, to watch it to find yeah. out. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good dangle. I love that. Um, thank you for sharing. Okay, so here's one of the questions that's been, like, killing me. Every time I see you go investigate or talk about going to investigate by yourself, um, as a female in general... I will not take my dog for a walk by myself after a certain hour <laughs> just because I know too much about true crime. Um, Kim has similar feelings. I know she does. No, no. Mm, 
you and I have very different definitions of this. Okay, fair. But like, you also <laughs> like to live not in a house because you don't want it to get broken into. Yeah. Fair. Okay, so different, <laughs> but like similar. Your, your okay. point. <laughs> uh, no, no, we're, we're, we're quite different. I, I walk home alone at night in ways you will not do. Okay, that's fair. That's true. Par- partially because, and I will do stuff you will not do. <laughs> All right. It's up for debate. Now it's not debatable. We are not the same. Um, obviously, Amanda does investigations by herself from time to time. So, like, how do you not get freaked out going on investigations by yourself? Not just from, like, paranormal, but from, like, the living. Like, from, like, people that can be scary or animals or whatever. Like, men. Men are terrifying. Yeah. Um, how How do you go into that, like, and not like get super stressed when and like keep your cool and be able to be focused on what you're like investigating when you're in the middle of the nowhere, a middle of nowhere, like at night somewhere. Yeah. Well, the, the like very honest answer <laughs> is one, I spend a lot of money to make sure that I'm doing it safely <laughs> rather that be renting a car where I'm ever I'm at and having it nearby or having protection or, paying for investigations, paying for locations, renting them out entirely by myself and making sure employees are there with me, et cetera. Uh, And also I just, I don't go to places that feel super unsafe. Like the places I've been, for instance, the Olympic forest or the the Olympic national forest. I wasn't alone for that. Um, I was like alone in a way, like I'm investigating alone, but like I'm not physically alone. And then if you see me in 2020, I did become very kind of known for um, exploring abandoned locations, um, largely because we were on lockdown and I would just go drive out to the Palouse where absolutely no living human was out. And so um, I, I'm, I guess this isn't really an answer, but I'm very, very aware of my, like my safety and me being a woman um, alone. And I do the best I can to prepare ahead of time to make things as safe as they possibly can be. But I'm also definitely going and paying for investigations at at these locations where they're ran by companies who have insurance, who have employees and stuff, you know? So like aside from those abandoned explorations that I used to do, which honestly was probably the most I skirted with like really unsafe kind of stuff. Honestly, some of that was super unsafe and I will, I will attribute my courage at that time to like the world the apocalypse you know like I was like screw it who cares and I'm just gonna do whatever I want but but uh as I get older I'm 33 now um which isn't old but as I get older I I I, like get more scared as I get older I don't know I'm sure psychologically that makes sense somewhere but like I don't know I'm drawing this answer out really long but basically I try to make sure that I'm safe but in the long run it kind of ends up just being that like unfortunately I don't get to do some of the things that men get to do and that's the reality of the situation like I I see a lot of really popular men content creators in the paranormal field who get to go and do whatever they want uh and that's just not a reality for me so um if I am totally alone I am taking care of myself and making sure I'm, I'm protected, uh, whatever that means. And, um, and if not, then there is somebody nearby living, uh, to make sure that I'm safe. But I like the BTS yeah. of I am safe. 
I like I'm that. safe. I'm mm-hmm. safe. I love that. Um, has there ever been a bad time where like you got such a bad feeling in an investigation where you had to like leave? Besides, I guess like the Lizzie Borden would be like the one that you just mentioned, but like you didn't really leave, leave. Like you were still there. You just were in your car outside. But mm-hmm. like, have, has there ever been a time where you had to like go, like get out and be done? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm very stubborn. Um, <laughs> and I haven't run into enough of a physical threat. Uh, if it was a physical threat, yeah, I would like run and get out of there. And there have been some abandoned explorations, but those aren't really like paranormal investigations where you know, you come across somebody that you didn't expect to see in a room or something or like, okay, never mind. And you got (laughs) to go like, but as far as on investigations, I've, I've never had to like really go like go, go. Um, cause I'm stubborn and I'll, and I'll wait through it and typically try to conquer that fear in one way or another. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky for that. Knock on wood. Uh, I've never had to really, really run. I hope I never have to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me too I hope you never yeah. have to that sounds like a horrible thing to have to deal with if it's that bad that you have to like get out um for sure um where do you see your paranormal investigative future going what are some goals that you have for what you would like to do in the future I love this question because I love talking about my goals out loud which is a new thing I'm trying to get better at I used to keep my goals very guarded and quiet because uh, I was afraid that other people would like evil eye them be like no you can't do that um, but now I like to Screw talk those about people. it yeah <laughs> um but I I would love to do another documentary project if it were to ever come up again just because I love diving really deep into one specific story or um you know getting to dig really deep into the research aspect of things um I'm also working on a special project that has been in the works since uh beginning of 2021 um a, a book of sorts. Um, I won't give away too much about that, but it definitely has to do with all of my paranormal emotions and things that I was talking about. Um, so that's something I'm working on. And then I have done some workshops and things, um, in the past with a company called Tamed Wild. I would love to do more workshops and classes and lectures like that. So, um, mostly at this point, I just really want to have, um, uh, an avenue or a platform or, or a means to be able to share these ideas that I have with other people to hopefully inspire them to look inwards at themselves as well as they explore the paranormal and, and, um, you know, and also get to bounce ideas around off of other really smart people and, and cool people in the paranormal field. So my main focus right now is to just, um, do that. And I, I guess I I'll be on social media as long as those are a goal. Cause that's a great, uh, method to do to do that to meet people and to get there so nice yeah great goals I love like putting them out to the universe to make them happen in real life um fantastic well I I feel like you've answered like more than the questions that I've asked so thank you for everything that you've given to us um do you have any questions for us um well I am curious real quick uh do you guys are you guys true believers in the paranormal you said you're paranormal investigators but uh the scully Mulder kind of thing like is one of you more skeptic than the other or where are you standing right now with your own beliefs in the paranormal i'm gonna let kim take this one 
Well, no, I mean, I would say I'm the skeptic, but I'm not the skeptic in belief. I'm the skeptic in, um, I don't take things at, I, I, I need to, you know, if you come and present me with something, I'm like, that's cool. I need to look at it and I want to ask some questions and I want to, so it's, it's not a skeptical, uh, it's not a skeptical belief in the paranormal. I, ver- I believe very, very deeply. And that's why I'm skeptical, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, um, I think that one way to kind of get better traction and, and be taken more seriously is that we have to back things up and we have to approach things, uh, with an open mind, but also with a, um, I don't want to say scientific mind, but like. I think you can have experiences and I've had experiences that I cannot explain, but because it was a personal experience and something that I can't really offer evidence for beyond my own personal experience, I would not use that and expect somebody else to have that be, this is fact because I experienced it. Um, I, I, I want to have that concrete proof to be able to show to people who don't believe like, Hey, I know you don't believe this, but look at this and explain this to me. So my skepticism is more rooted in wanting to find that thing that, that helps further the belief and not because I'm skeptical of the existence, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's the hard balance to find. And something I've struggled with for many years is, uh, is, and it always go, it always like ping pongs back and forth too. You're like, you know, you're like, no, you know what? I totally believe in my experiences and I don't need other people to believe it, or I don't need proof of it. And then you're like, well, it would be nice if I got out of my own head and, and had some irrefutable proof or, or, or could prove to somebody else in my life that this is real, you know? And then, I don't know. I totally relate to that though. And I think if you're able to articulate needing to find that balance, then you're on the right track and somebody who is a valuable voice in the paranormal field, because there is a lot of uh, authority, a lot of voices of authority in the paranormal field. And a lot of people who feel too passionately where it kind of blinds them to being able to be self-aware and like understand the nuance of it all. So, yeah. Well, and I've experienced that just with, you know, people have presented, Stuff. I mean, we've even had people who've messaged the podcast with this, like, I had this experience and it's like, awesome. Or send a picture. And I'm like, that's great. Did you take any other pictures? Can you tell me what was happening leading up to this? And suddenly it's like, well, if you're not going to believe me, you know, F off. And it's like, whoa, this is why people don't always take us seriously because they don't think we are serious. And um, asking these questions is not doubting your experience or that it happened. It's just wanting to know there's such a saturation right now. And there's, 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 you know, uh, there's so much of it has become a punchline because of the saturation and because of certain voices in the community, not to name any names. Um, (laughs) but there's, there's this, you know, it's all fraud and it's all staged and we shouldn't take it seriously. And so there's, I think a part of me that wants to sort of, unwork that belief that it is possible to believe and and be skeptical and still 
uh, almost like hold your hold yourself hold ourselves accountable for like yes yes yeah yeah, absolutely that's a good way to put it yeah that that it's it's and it that there's going to be stuff that we can't prove and it doesn't discount the experience and it doesn't take it away from you but it's also acknowledging that your own feelings in a moment are not necessarily going to sway somebody or be physical proof or scientific proof and so we can have both but if you're trying to sway people acknowledge the reality that you're going to need more than uh, i had a feeling you're going to need evidence evidence yeah you're gonna you're gonna need more than just trust me bro yeah yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and there's people i could say trust me bro to who will who will be like yo that's amazing you had that experience but not everybody is nor should everybody like I I want somebody to engage me if I think I have evidence. Make me think about it differently because sometimes you get so excited too. And it's so easy to blind yourself to that skepticism. So it's nice to, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I I work in the arts as well. um, And I, I do a lot of theater and film. And one of the things I love is having lots of voices in the room because sometimes I get so hung up on a certain idea that you need somebody else being like, hey, I see that you have this idea and it's a great idea, but you need to, you know, we're not going to be able to make this work. So think beyond it. I was going to say, too, like Kim and I have started off this podcast in two very different headspaces. And I think what's really cool is how long we've been doing this for. It's been like three plus years that we've been doing this. I can't believe it's been that long. Damn. But we really have. And like. I used to be the, oh my gosh, I want to believe everything is paranormal person. And it was mostly just because it got me excited. And I was like, this is fun. I'm getting an adrenaline rush. It's wild. I have to experience this. And Kim's like, no, Um, (laughs) actually, this is, this is why. And then it made me more introspective. And now I have a very similar thought process to Kim, but we still joke Mulder Scully. So like it's and I'm still more Scully than you definitely are. still more Scully, <laughs> definitely still more Scully. Um, and speaking of which, I've been watching the X-Files recently just for funsies. And like we need to get more of the like X-Files dad jokes going on because like they're so stupid, but it's so I don't fun. actually watch the X-Files. Oh, my God, Kim, you're killing I me. I used to, but like I I it was never really like, I like the first couple seasons. But well, you're the dad humor, not me. I know. <laughs> uh there's a show that is so good that i was just watching recently and it's on the same level of n- not on the same level as x-files but same similar thing it's called so weird and it was in was like 1999 on disney on disney, disney channel Dude, i think i used to so watch good. that it, it's i i just was watching some like really deep fried clips of it on youtube and i was like this is like low-key really good <laughs> it was very <laughs> x-files ask for like disney kids in the 90s which nice. was really cool i'm pretty sure i watched that i'm pretty sure my stepdad was watching x-files and i was watching that and then also watching the x-files when i was like nine so like nine. probably probably accurate but yeah anywho thank you for joining us amanda <laughs> it's been so lovely to have you and to talk all the like technicalities i guess is the best way to put it of like analyzing like the paranormal and understanding how to explore it and how to do it safely as a female and i honestly truly believe that there are not enough female paranormal investigators out there i think it's way too heavily male 
saturated. Well, it's, um, it's there's a lot of female investigators. It's just it's featured. male representation of representation. what's being featured. Yeah, because like yeah. on the ghost hunting shows, it's mostly it's mostly Do-dudes. men. Yep. But you yeah. look at the makeup of a ghost. It's primarily women. That's our ghost hunting group. Um, but yes, <laughs> that's that's true. But that's just our group. And that doesn't mean... No, that's pretty universal, actually. Oh, well, okay. Look there's, at the scully as good as scully. So. Was, no, I mean, just like you look at the makeup of a lot of groups. I'm not saying that... Yeah. But it's it leans really heavily female. And yet what you see on the shows is mostly men. Dudes just and like maybe true. one girl. Um, yeah. Hollywood thinks, uh, thinks girls in the paranormal are boring. I have heard rude. that myself. I've heard that to my face. So, yeah. Um, Rude. But there's a lot of us out here doing this weird shit and having fun. And I think it's important. And if there's one last thing that I say, it's that I really don't actually know what I'm talking about. And I never will because none of this stuff makes any sense really in the long run. (laughs) But but I like exploring the possibilities of it and kind of outstretching my arms and, and figuring out what all I can get out of it. So. Yeah, That's thank true. you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Anything you're working on that you want people to check out? Places to find you, things like that. I can be found at Pretty F and Spooky on all social media platforms and also prettyfandspooky.com where I uh, post blog posts about all of these weird theories. Um, and then you can find updates about Death Is With Me, the documentary that I was on at deathiswithme.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Amanda, for joining us. And this brings us to... Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! Kim, what you watching? Uh, I've been watching a, a fair bit of stuff as I prepped for Crypticon. Um, and... and- and beyond. Uh, so I I recently watched a movie called uh, Dearest Sister, Ooh. which is pretty cool. I watched it on Shutter. It's um, a a supernatural film from Laos, and uh, the premise of it is this this girl who gets brought into the city to help take care of her cousin, and she's from this you know kind of like tiny little village out in the country and her cousin has married this wealthy white man but she's suffering some from some kind of illness that's affecting her eyesight huh and you start to realize she has these seizures and these fits and seems to be able it's linked to being able to tell some future events uh particularly people who may or may not be dying but it's it's really interesting and it was it was kind of a fun twist on a lot of the I see dead people um, movies I've seen. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I would recommend that that was on, that was on shutter. I also just watched um, the other day, a movie called influencer, which is another, another one on shutter. I've been, I've been hitting shutter pretty hard these days. And uh, it's about, and actually it was Bob, our friend, Bob, who, who had mentioned that he really enjoyed it. So I checked it out. Um, a, a social media influencer who is away in, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was, maybe it was Thailand, but I, I don't, don't marry me to that. Uh, but her boyfriend was supposed to join her and he was busy with work and she meets this girl and they become friends, but something else is kind of going on. And, um, 
it was like the acting across the board was really good. The story, what I appreciated is that even though there was some moments that I could predict, I felt like I thought I knew what it was going to do and then it would turn it on its head. And I appreciate a movie that can do that. So, um, yeah, Dearest Sister and Influencer are both streaming on Shudder, and I would highly recommend both. They're a lot, uh, a lot, of, a lot of fun. Influencer was fun. Dearest Sister, though, was... Uh, uh, I wouldn't know if I'd call it fun, but it was very good. <laughs> How right. about you? I have been watching a lot of trash TV lately, man. What? You never. Um, true, well... Uh, I'll just say this. I've not been watching a lot of TV because I just got back from like a wild road trip. I just drove with my husband and dog down to Los Angeles from Seattle, which took three days one way and three days on the way back. And then we were there for like five. And all I wanted to do the entire time was just watch the tell all for 90 Day Fiance the other way. And my mom would not let me do it without talking to me. So like what I watched was kind of the other way, Um, but truly just for Debbie because she's wild and was wearing like crazy hot pink outfit with green cowboy boots. And I just love her fashion choices. Um, Sure. That. And then I've also um, been watching a show on Netflix called Red Rose. Have you heard of that? I have. It's on my list, but I haven't gotten there yet. I've watched a couple of episodes kind of passively. Like, I'll put it on, but I won't fully pay attention. But then I'll, like, <laughs> miss some serious thing that I was happened. Say, can, like, you, wait. can you do that with that show from what I've no. heard? <laughs> um, so I have to go back and watch some of it to get caught up on what happened. But it is an interesting take on, like, how technology and social media can turn into a horror story really quickly and like disconnect you from your pot of people and put you in a not so great position of being alive, you know? So, um, but it's, there's just this one scene in the beginning of it where it's like a bunch of teenagers, like partying in the hillsides of the UK somewhere with like a random couch in the middle of the hills. And they're dancing to like, disco music from the 90s like early 90s it's very confusing um but um yeah so far it's all right but i think i just need to pay attention to it more um and then i can give you a better analysis on how it's going so stay tuned as i continue to watch that season um but i wanted to invite amanda to contribute as well since she's here amanda what have you been watching lately anything good um so i am like I'm totally going to out myself, but I'm a big fan of rewatching things I've seen a million times. And Same. also Same. terrible. I have terrible taste <laughs> in TV and movies. <laughs> like I I'll admit it, but um, I did just rewatch the movie, the quiet ones recently. Oh, um, classic. Yep. Super good. Uh, mm-hmm. Paranormal spooky movie that I think uh-huh. anyone would really like. And then um, I'm always on a constant rewatch of the vampire diaries. <laughs> Nice. So, you know, uh, again, super spooky over here. Uh, it's a good way for me to unwind. But I thought I would maybe share um, something a little different. It's not TV. It's not movie related, but it's what I can contribute um, yeah. is a piece of equipment that I've been oh. using more often recently um, that I can shortly critique. But um, I have recently been using Ghost Stops Envoy, which is their version of an obelisk. Um, so it's in a, a piece of equipment with a word bank in it or like uh, letters that can spell out words. And it's been very cool. So um, and also shameless plug for Ghost Up, who is who are super cool people, an equipment company that I get all my equipment from. So that's what I've been up to. Watching nice. vampires and talking to myself through <laughs> ghost <stopping> equipment. <laughs> totally normal. 
Um, super cool. You found your people. We're all here together. It's great. Um, but thank you again, Amanda, for joining us. And thank you for our listeners for listening. Um, if you like what we do, you can head on over to Patreon and get some extra uh, some extra content that we have on there, as well as ghoulside chats. And we wanted to shout out, we have a new patron. We have a new cryptid in the house um, by the name of Michael Kane. <gasps> Wait, <laughs> Michael Kane, the Michael Kane star of Jaws 4, The Revenge. That Michael Kane? I, I don't know, Kim Douthit. It might be, it might not be. It also. I'm going to say it is. Thank you, Michael. We love your work. Michael Kane. <laughs> we love your work in secondhand lions <laughs> and thank you for your money for patreon um and so anywho thank you michael kane for being a new patron um if you want to join the gang and hang out with michael kane you can also be the a cool patron um also cryptids get like the most benefits if you don't know that like you get the video recordings you get are stupid bloopers, which are just a good time. You also get extra content of who knows what you're going to get from week to week. Um, sometimes it's weird news articles. Sometimes it's us talking about ghost adventures. You'll never know. Um, and then you'll even get to contribute a topic if you want to. Also, fun fact, somebody went onto our Instagram and suggested that we um, have branded <laughs> vegetable peelers as um items for us to, <laughs> is for that because patrons? i keep saying i want to peel his penis like an onion i'm pretty sure because they said that here's an onion peeler um so we don't know we maybe do it, we, we might do, do it, it. so it's funny it. because i did not make that connection until you just said it right now because <laughs> my i saw face it lit up like joy why is someone <laughs> suggesting a vegetable peeler to us i haven't I don't said it get in a while it. that's why i haven't said it in a while oh um, man that really just made my day the, i need to respond people, to this person the people need to vote if the people would like <laughs> us to have branded uh onion peelers because you never know maybe the cryptids get you that. never know we're gonna look into this now all right it's how it for us it. this is the longest um promotional <laughs> section of our podcast ever if you like what we do go on over to patreon and see what kind of wild shit we're putting together for you um, it's even less edited <laughs> yep and uh if you don't have patreon because you don't have money to contribute i understand uh you could always go over to apple podcast or spotify give us a rating review just give us some love we love love um so just say hi and uh find hi. us anywhere that you listen to podcasts and anywhere on the internet that says ghouls tendencies podcast you will find us um, and again, thank you, Amanda, for joining. And having said that, 